Hey everyone, it's Lauren and Mark. Welcome to another edition of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. We have some great stuff in store. Let's get to it. All right. Hello, Loose Lug Nation. Today we have another special guest joining us, Jerry Aubie, who just recently announced he has acquired Dells Raceway Park from the Lensing family. Jerry was previously the general manager there for about a decade. We're very excited to talk to him, especially with the Icebreaker 100 coming up here this Sunday. Jerry, thank you for joining us tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, and how are you guys? Hi, Jerry. Getting pretty excited about this weekend's uh, <laughs> event coming up, man. Can't wait for it. Yeah, it's been a long winter, hasn't it? Uh, between last summer dealing with the COVID and uh, the cold weather this uh, past winter, and uh, now that the vaccine's out, hopefully uh, everything else in the world is correct and we can get back to somewhat normal racing. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's not only has it been a long winter, but for many a, a long year here with COVID-19 going on and all that. Uh, where I want to start with this, Jerry, is to get to know you a little bit so our fans can get to, to know you a little bit more, too. Um, you're an old school racer and, and did all that. Tell us about where your love of racing started growing up. Uh, my mother was a race fan and my cousin Jerry Wood started racing. Uh, back in the early 70s and my mom would uh, follow him and of course I'd go along um, I just uh, I've been at the racetrack since I can remember I mean it just uh, I was a big fan of John Ziegler's too uh, back in the day and, and got to be good friends with his son Jared uh, in high school and uh, it, it, it never stopped uh, I, I can't remember any time in my life where we weren't at the races on the weekend and uh, started racing uh, myself when I was uh, graduated high school and I turned 18 and could do it on my own because my dad said, uh, I'm not helping. So <laughs> that was uh, that was pretty much uh, cut and dried. I just had to want to want to do it. And uh, before I got out of high school, I started helping Jim Weber um, back in probably 83, going around with him on the Arco Tour and uh, being his pit man and then uh, with my cousin Jerry Wood. And uh, then I started helping Bickle for a while, too, and Scotty Olerman, and uh, kept helping Bickle and Scotty Olerman after I started racing when I was 18, and won a couple of Slinger Nationals together and, and some other big races, and um, uh, I think the last time I actually helped Richie, he won like five or ten grand at a Ho-Chunk show at the Dells back in the day, but Richie, uh, Richie back in the day, he won, I think, 14th Street. Uh, with him and Phil Hammer and stuff back then. So you started racing when you were 18. Tell us about your, your racing career. I uh, started racing when I was 18, ran Columbus, Jefferson, Lake Geneva, uh, the Dells, uh, mainly Madison. Um, <clears throat> always was a, a limited late guy. Started in limited late, stayed in limited late, tried uh, super late model racing in uh, full time in 95. That was probably a dumb thing to do in 95 because there'd be 40 cars, 50 cars at Slinger and Madison every every weekend for just a regular show. And uh, 
oh, uh, vivid memory of one time uh, in uh, at Madison in 95, I, I'm in the, the semi-feature and I'm looking up and there's Scott Wimmer and Al Schill and I'm thinking, what the hay is going on here? These guys are, you know, feature guys. We were in the, we were in the semi-feature. So, yeah, it was a tough deal in 95 and then I went, uh, started to start a family in 97 and, and took off a couple of years and came back in 98 and went back to living the late model racing and uh, that's where I stayed for, uh, for the most of the 25 years. So you turned yourself into a general manager uh, around 2012. How did you get about to, to become a manager? Um, well, that started by default. Um, I actually was ready. Uh, things were going well in my racing program and uh, and, and after 2010 and uh, was, was winning some races again there and I uh, had, a, had a few new cars ready to go, and, and I hurt my shoulder in the wintertime. I uh, had a really bad torn rotator cuff. And so Munsing uh, bugged me. I had to come up there and help him. I was taking some time off and started as a competition director in the pits and then wound up in the tower and then uh, never left the tower. And I uh, was with Wayne for a decade before I wound up leasing the track room for the last couple of years. And then... Uh, Wayne wanted to uh, get out of it. He bought a couple of campgrounds, remodeling his museum down there in Rockford. And, uh, of course, he's got left-hander performance part supply going on. He's got a lot of irons in the fire. And he, he thought I did a, a really well, good job. He always says, uh, I couldn't do it without you. I couldn't do it without you. Well, you know, it's partner. I couldn't do it without him either. I mean, Wayne, <laughs> Wayne opened a lot of doors over the last decade to make things happen. And uh, there's no doubt about it. And uh, I'm fortunate to work with him for the past decade and got to know him well. And uh, turned over the reins to me, and we signed the papers March 26th. I'm now the owner of Dell's Raceway Park. Yeah, congratulations on that uh, being announced uh, a week or so ago. Uh, you know, Mark and I talk about this all the time. We go to the Dells a couple times a year when we're able to. And especially over the last few, I'd say since Lensing and, and you got involved, it's been incredible. The the um, atmosphere there was great. The racing has been incredible. And then the campground next door helps as well. You guys really have a great thing going on there. Well, thank you. Yeah, and Wayne got into the campground. Um, not exactly sure if time flies by here, but it's uh, five, six years ago. There was uh, 40 acres for sale right adjacent to the racetrack, and Wayne thought he would just get into the campground business, so he did. And uh, he built a wonderful facility there, the Shangri-La Campground, a beautiful uh, a set of uh, you know indoor bar and showers and everything else, a real modern facility. And uh, <clears throat> everything's first class uh, with that. And you're right, you know, and Lensing, Lensing himself, um, you know, we were able to bring Dells Raceway Park back to its uh, glory days. Uh, Wayne Lensing is, is one of the most um, thought of car manufacturers, race car manufacturers in the United States. Uh, more people probably own a left-hander than anything else in this country is, um, or have owned a left-hander at one time at least. And so Wayne was in the racing business and, uh, you know, he was an old school racer himself, and uh, back in the day, he won a lot of big shows. 
and raced against, you know, Shear and Trickle and Ruffner and, and uh, becoming a track owner, it's, it's really hard to jump to the other side of the fence. Once you're in that pit area and you want to come to the other side of the fence, it's, it's no walk in the park. Um, you know, it's something that as racers, we don't understand what goes on in that tower, what goes on, you know, with the food and beverage and the crowd and, and the whole entertainment factor that goes into a show when you're racing, you're only thinking about this or that. And, uh, it's a total different world once you step on the other side of the fence. Well, on the opposite side of that, you have the knowledge of being a racer and helping out the racer and knowing what they need. How has being a racer yourself helped help the other racers do it? I mean, you're getting the support that you need. You're, you're pretty much tops in the state for car count, uh, great car counts there. You have a lot of incentives as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. As far as, as, far as the racing goes, I, I tried to change the culture a little bit at Dells Raceway Park when I got there. I, I watched, uh, the, Wayne did the first year solo by himself, and I watched the two shows, and I, I just, you know, made mental notes of things. And I want the racers um, that I have in the pit area now, I, I, I've been there, you know, and I want to make and things I didn't like about when I went to this track or when I went to that track things I did not like, uh, I won't have in my show. Things I do like, I carry over. The Dells is a mixture of uh, flavors from uh, a great deal of series, everything from, you know, Arco and CWRA, the Big 8 series, uh, what the Dells had themselves, um, area tracks where I picked up here or there, and blended them all together, and that's where I came up with my program. And I, I think uh, a lot of the racers... Um, have just complimented me on they like this, they like that, and listening to them. I mean, they have a lot of good ideas. Uh, they're your 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 clientele. They're your stars. If if they're not happy, you need to fix what's going on. And uh, we've tried to do that over the past uh, decade, and and uh, got to a point where um, I think we got a pretty good show. And as far as the racetrack goes. We wound up improving the racing by accident uh, on the track. The track was getting wore out, and as you know, a lot of tracks, when they get wore out, become a single-groove racetrack. Well, at Dells Raceway Park, we uh, former promoters uh, back in the day repaved uh, down in three and four. They put concrete on the bottom like Martinsville used to have, just that strip on the bottom. And, uh, well, we ran into the track coming apart in 2019, uh, in one and two at a enduro race in the spring. And so we had to fix it. Well, we couldn't get any asphalt and, uh, it was too early in the year. So we had to use concrete. So we put concrete down and turns one and two in the bottom groove also. And lo and behold, we had a show. We had side by side racing return to Dell's raceway park all the way around the racetrack. Drivers are all in favor of it. It worked good. There was a lot of skeptics when we first did it. You know, and of course, concrete requires some grinding and get it refined and smoothed down. And, and uh, boy, it didn't take long at all after a couple of shows. Uh, everybody was really, really happy with the results of how it all turned out. Hey, you know, one thing that's the talk of the state is your 602 series that's down there that Wayne Lansing actually started. Um, are you uh, involved in that in any way? Um, it's uh it is one of the series that's talked about. I see that they're going to expand to Madison this year, and I think they're even going to be at Oktoberfest. Can you uh, touch a little bit on the 602 series? 
602 series was something Wayne wanted to start. He really liked the idea. I liked the idea. We worked together on the project. Um, Wayne, uh, you know, developed the whole rule package for the series, and we had a few changes at first. And we were having trouble uh, getting interest in it, so Wayne actually built a few cars, and he didn't build brand-new cars coming off the assembly line down there left-hander either. I mean, he went and took, like, a 96 left-hander that he found for sale or another brand car that he found for sale, and he put them together with spare parts or stuff that would be laid around the shop, trying to put them together as economical as possible, and then putting 602 crate motors in there, um, like the Midwest Truck Series has, which is a popular motor um, that is low cost. Uh, we're talking, you know, under $5,000 for a motor package nowadays is, is that's something that lasts for many years is, is, is really a good deal to keep the racer going. So the thing became low cost. They're on 8-inch tires, not 10-inch. That was always a fight to see which way we were going to go with that. And I think going with the 8-inch tire was a huge success. Um, and the, from the fan standpoint, what I like about it, the way I brought it along, was, you know, it's different. The car is different. It looks different. Um, relative of mine came in from Seattle a couple of years ago. He used to help me on the race team back in the 80s. And the thing he said to me one day at the Dells uh, a few years back, he says, I can't tell the difference between a sportsman, a late model, and a super late model. Can you help me? And I thought, that's a problem. So we got to figure that out for the fans. So at, at my racetrack, we try and have some diversity in the in the field. You, you super late models roll out Sunday, you know they're super late models. Midwest Truck Series rolls out, you know that's a Midwest Truck Series. And when the 602 late models come out with that outlaw style bike, you know that's a different race car. So um, from a fan standpoint, it gives some interest in something differently, same way with the modifieds we have going up there or the four cylinders. But, uh, yeah, the class took off. Um, this year we've got about 24 drivers uh, registered for full-time competition for the seven races at the Delts. Uh, it was real easy to branch out to Dairies and, uh, and to uh, McCarns and try and bring them in to Oktoberfest uh, over the last couple of years. And uh, we mixed them in up there in their show. Now, Darius brought them in for the National Short Track Championships. The 602s are running down there uh, this fall. And Madison, uh, we ran them in conjunction with Greg's show for the Joe Shear Classic at the Dells last year. And Greg thought that that was a really neat class and it put on a good show and was uh, excellent for the fans to watch. So Greg booked, uh, I believe he's got five races uh, at Madison this year, including the Joe Shear Classic again. Where do you see that class going further? Because it's something that we've really enjoyed seeing when we get down to the Dells. We hear many drivers say it's affordable, as you just mentioned. Uh, where do you see that class going in the future? I see that class spreading out into a series like the Midwest Truck Series. Um, I won't let the cat out of the bag, but if I have more time, I think I can put together a series with the 602s trucks and uh, the 602 late models to run in conjunction with some bigger shows as a traveling series, a support series that has um, not only, um, you know, points at their local tracks, but a traveling series point series. I think that's where it's headed. That would be uh, awesome when you go to these big shows and then you have another series right there, right there with them. That's uh that was, sure would be exciting to uh, 
hear about if that does come to fruition. You just touched on, uh, by mistake, making the racetrack better. It seems like uh, many tracks do this, but, it, but specifically at Dells, you, you last year or two years ago, grinding down that uh, concrete, as you just mentioned, constant improvements going on with Dells Raceway Park. I remember going down there to help Matt Pander announce, um, his partner at WIR announcing, and there was that patch that you were just talking about in three and four. And I'll never forget this. He told me in a few years, that's going to be the place where you want to be on the racetrack. And it wasn't to that point. Many drivers avoided it. Can you touch on what led you to expand that in three and four and then also in one and two? Well, watching NASCAR uh, lay down the concrete and watching the success that it brought to them, obviously it gave more grip. And uh, one thing that one night really broke attention to me was when Rich Schumann broke the late model track record up there. I talked to Rich a little bit, and he was saying, yeah, I really get a good run. I dime in the corner in three and four, and then I get the car so I can drive it off the bottom off that concrete, and the car really hooks up. I really like that. And the light went off in my head. Um, you know, worn-out asphalt is not as good as concrete. Concrete stays more consistent, um, and concrete doesn't seem to change or weather year after year after year. Um so, and concrete lasts longer. I mean, if you notice the roads in Wisconsin and the potholes from the asphalt roads to the concrete roads on the interstate, there's a huge difference with consistency on the concrete roads versus the asphalt roads. So, there's, there's one thing that's missing at Dells Raceway Park in turn one. There's nine feet of track missing on corner entry. We completely changed the line going into turn one. And that was by accident, too. See, the prior year in the fall, we had some flooding going bad, and we actually had some cones up uh, going into turn one for one of the fall special races, and the drivers had to change their line around there. And we noticed that uh, the, the cars were running better on the outside, running in the third groove. Um, there was more grip up there. So I'm walking through the pits, and uh, I think it was uh, – M.G. Gajewski grabbed me, and he said, you know, he says, I'll tell you what, if you ever repave this place, just mark with paint where them cones are, and don't, and make that grass, because that really takes away the advantage for the guy on the bottom, and it equals out both lanes. So, lo and behold, didn't know we were going to do it right away. Next spring, the track comes apart, and that's what we did. So, I got to give M.J. some props for that for pointing that out and Ed Holmes spotted it also he said you know what that's the difference and the, the difference is is when you used to go into turn one at the Dells the cars could really dive to the bottom and then right up through it where the guy on the outside had arced in more well it was an unfair advantage so we took away that nine nine feet of track on the bottom and it really leveled out the racing. Hey I want to talk about the Labor Day tradition of the uh of the uh Labor Day uh, Classic that's there that now has uh, the Jim Sauter name with it, and it, and you double the laps um, from 100 to 100 or 200. Can you uh, can you touch on that weekend? That's that's sure looks like a pretty big event right there. Well, when I got there, we didn't have any Arca Tour race anymore with the Fast Promoter thing kind of fell apart with the tour, and then we brought the tour back to the Dells when I started up there, and then when Greg bought the tour um and we started
started racing up there. Greg wasn't having much luck with his date that he had picked on the schedule. There was a lot of graduations and things in early June. And so he asked if we could try and do something on Labor Day weekend. And so we tried it one year. We had a great success with the crowd. Of course, the campground was being built, brings in a lot of folks over there camping for the weekend. It was a good marriage, and Greg says, <clears throat> Greg McCarn says, I think I'd like to make this an annual tradition. Can we just book, plan on booking this every year? And I said, sure, fine. So we did, and the things were going along pretty good. And then last year, Madison, of course, had trouble with uh, being shut down by COVID in Dane County. And Greg says, I really want to get that Joe Shear Classic, but I got to have 200 laps. I got to have infield pits. I said, I tell you what, Greg. He says, you bring me the Joe Shear Classic, I'll spend the money myself to get the infield redone, put back in pit roads, get the asphalt resealed, rework that, put in the pit walls. If you bring the classic up to the Dells, I'll do that infield for you. And we had, we were back stem to stern with people. The racing was excellent. The race was excellent. It was a, a shootout between Johnny Sauter and Casey Johnson to the final lap inches apart. And, uh, crowd was on their feet and the, the pit stops went over really well everything worked well you know the Dells was set up like that originally and that's one thing I missed about the infield at the Dells is uh, that used to be the pit area and uh, it wasn't there anymore so I put it back and uh, worked out well and this year we're going with the uh, Tim Sauter Classic because Greg wanted the Joe Shear Classic to return to Madison if it could uh, and they can get open which they did and he worked out a deal with the Sauter family and some sponsorship. And uh, so we're going to keep that deal going. Uh, the driver seemed to really like it. 200 laps at the Dells. A uh, very exciting race. It's not boring. doesn't get stretched out. And uh, it was one of the premier events last year in the, the Midwest. What has the Sauter family meant to Dells Raceway Park? Obviously a lot of success over the years. And now the race named after uh, Jim Sauter there. Uh, who my family knows quite well. What has the Sauter family meant to Dells Raceway Park over the years? Well, you know, um, going back to my racing days back in uh, 1990, uh, I bought a car from Donnie Fowler that, that Jay Sauter was running at lacrosse, and it was a beautiful race car. I got to know Jay, and then uh, he gave me set-up tips and everything when we were going along up through mid-90s when I went super late mile racing and she went down south and I got to know Johnny and uh, uh, Travis. Travis was a big help. Travis was probably the one that was up in the tower and had the longest conversations with me walking the track for constant improvements, thinking about rules. He was always on the phone in the spring of the year talking about what he thought, where, what direction we needed to go. Travis Sauter had a had a huge input on how and where the super late models are today with the UMA. And uh, I thank him for that. Um, I was a big fan of Jim Sauter back in the day. Um, got his autograph and stuff, stood in the lines as a kid. And uh, it was always exciting to see him try and make it up through NASCAR with Trickle and the rest of them. But uh, I, uh, we've, we've talked about trying to do something like this for the Sauter family for for about five years now, you know, we we finally got it. So I hope this race uh, is everlasting and uh, it can be a Labor Day tradition um, for years to come. 
Man, that sure would be awesome. Uh, tell us about some of the incentives that you have for drivers and teams coming to race at Dell's Raceway Park. Well, if we're talking super late models this year, what I did was is I always liked what NASCAR did back in the day when you had halfway money in the Winter Circle program. So I brought that flavor to the Live for Five series. So as uh, a... <clears throat> As the drivers, if they run uh, all five races uh, for the Live for Five series, they get 100% attendance. They're automatically in a drawing for uh, one of uh, Casey Wagner's 5.3 engines, uh, at least for 2022. Um, then all the drivers that uh, every time they come back, there's more money in their check uh, for retention as far as being on the Winner's Circle program. And the winners uh, of each race... Uh, get more than double what the regular ones do to come back and race with us the next time. So, and, uh, like, uh, press release just happened today. We had, uh, um, Scotty was a racer back in the day, won championships and stuff at Madison and Columbus. And, uh, so for the live for five series for the icebreaker 100, we've got uh, $500 halfway, uh, bonus money this year, uh, 250 for fast time. And, versus five grand to win so um retention reward it's all part of uh trying to build a happy family in the, the world of racing on july 16th you've also got the monster truck show there is that the national tour of the monster truck series yeah uh, funny thing about monster trucks you know uh Monster trucks were arena sellouts for, for many years, and uh, they've kind of fallen on hard times, especially last year with the COVID thing going on and stuff. And was never able to afford a whole series where you got seven, eight, ten trucks coming around. And we got the, I wound up having multiple offers this year for Dell's Raceway Park to bring the monster trucks to them. And I wound up going with the Renegade people because uh, they, to be honest with you, they talked to me first. And then um, they seem like a fine operation. I witnessed what they did at Angel Park when the, they brought their show down there, and, and I just thought that, you know what, it's time. We'll we'll try it. And I, uh, I'm going to do it on a Friday night, and uh, you know, do it in the infield, bring in dirt and all the stuff that monster trucks need to crush. And uh, you know, the Dells is a tourist area, and uh, you know. People are constantly flooding the downtown area for attractions. You know, the Ripley's, believe it or not, and this and that and the other thing. And we're just trying to bring a little bit of the craziness home to Dell's Raceway Park on Friday night to watch nothing but monster trucks. Speaking more about the, the tourist area, how hard is it to get, like, normal weekly fans there with it being such a tourist area and trying to get your name out? I remember, again, helping down there in years past. And uh, I feel like a lot of people said sometimes it's hard to get the same people coming back because it's such a tourist area. Uh, talk about that and some of the other challenges of owning a racetrack and running a racetrack. Bingo. Um, tourist area, you know, I mean, you gotta be a tourist. You, you, you gotta, you're drawing for tourists, you know, it's, it's not like uh, it's a, a, a huge community where people, uh, flock every week to the, to the races that live around there because the Dells is actually a very small community and it becomes a very big community when you influx 250,000 people every Saturday into the place. 
and uh, it's really hard. To, you know, you're competing for every entertainment uh, dollar out there as far as what you know what else there is to do in the Dell. So I admire what Mr. Wares did back in the day with uh, his van going up and down the strips. I remember that myself when I was on the strip, uh, seeing that van and the, the recordings that were playing, trying to draw the customers. But I did a different approach, tried to work with local businesses, uh, you know, have them make more awareness for our racetrack uh, out there, um, do uh, events or nights, you know, like with the Noah's Ark or Jose's Restaurant or, you know, local car dealerships or whatever we have out there. And it's been uh, gradually getting better, uh, better and better and better. And then many working with the hotels and the water parks, uh, just trying to get awareness because most people when they come to the Dells as tourists do not know that there is a stock car racing track just you know five miles out uh, from downtown so yeah that's been a challenge but the folks that come and race at our track are bringing their families with them also and uh, boy it's uh, it's amazing you know the amount of uh, hours that the drivers uh, travel in all our nine divisions that we have coming from Rockford, Milwaukee, Lake Mills, you know, Wausau, Elko, you know, Lacrosse, Iowa. Um, So most of the, I would say that probably, if I've got 100 cars in a pit area on a Saturday night, I would say half of those drivers travel over two hours to get to the Dells. And uh, from the community I started racing in at Columbus 151 Speedway, if there was 100 cars in the pits, 95% of them were 10 minutes away. You know, there was a huge community of racers to draw from right in this area. And uh, that is not the case at the Dells. There's not a lot of drivers that are from the Dells. You know, it's a tourist town. So most of them do have to travel, and I appreciate them coming down. And uh, it's a beautiful facility to race at and something different and also uh, it offers something to their families. I mean, if they want to come down on Friday or stay through Sunday and make a weekend of it, take the kids to the water park, go camping, do things, uh, it kind of makes it a fun weekend instead of just dragging to the racetrack uh, every single week. Going into this weekend, a big race, obviously, with the icebreaker, lots of cars on the entry list, pretty impressive. Uh, what are you looking forward to most this weekend? Nice weather. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to be a good show. Johnny Wood brings the Midwest Truck Series there. Them guys do a fabulous job. The The 602 Series is always an exciting race. I don't have any questions about that. The Super Late Miles, I have the who's who of Super Late Model Racing. And the, when I say I got the 45 best Midwest drivers uh, in the Midwest, that's, that's no exaggeration. And uh, probably in the nation... Uh, there's a, a good half of those drivers would, would run up front at any racetrack they went to across the United States. So pretty excited about the uh, quality of cars that we have coming for the super late models is what the thing I, I think that really excites me. Um, it's a who's who of a champions list. And uh, I just, uh, I, I'm flabbergasted. I mean, we have, three divisions racing, you know, and, I, and you see most racetracks nowadays, 
sometimes it gets a little drawn out, but there's six, seven divisions racing on a night. We have three divisions racing, and we're going to have 100 cars in the fit area. Um, it's just fantastic, uh, overwhelming. Um, it's a good feeling. Uh, it's my first race as a track owner, you know, and uh, I appreciate all the driver support, and I, I don't want to disappoint them or the fans. I see this week that you're honoring Scott Olerman. Can you uh, tell me a little bit of a story about him? Well, that guy. Yeah. I met Scott in 1980. We were uh, up at Columbus. He needed some help. Uh, he was racing a, a roadrunner in sportsman division. I was, uh, I don't know, Scott, he must have been about 16. I was probably 14. And he says, hey, uh, I need some help down there. Could you, could you just come in the pits? I says, well, I'm only like 14. He's like, here, I'll give you my pit pass. And you just walk in like we own the place. and You'll be fine. So that's how we went in. And uh, went in and helped him out that night. And then wound up, you know, we didn't have cell phones or nothing back in the day. Didn't even know where he lived or anything. And next thing I know, we're snowmobiling together in the wintertime. And then uh, I helped him. I uh, was there the first year. He started his own company in like June of 84, and I went to work for him that summer, uh, well, the following summer in 85, and uh, I helped him get uh, things, his feet on the ground. Uh, him and his dad started that company, and his brother, Greg, and uh, worked with Scotty in the field uh, for that summer, and then... Uh, Lo and behold, I went to work in the implement business uh, right across the street for the next 15 years. And then Scott called me up one day. He says, hey, I could use you down here again. What do you think about coming to work for me full time? So in 99, I went to work for Scotty. And uh, one thing I left out there, I was always helping Scotty. I mean, we, we in 97, we won the championship at uh, Madison with a super late. And uh, was working on his cars that year. I didn't race. I was uh, set a new child. And. Uh, just was looking for something to do to keep my appetite wet and helping Scotty out every week. And I went to Scotty, and I've been working for Scotty's company for 21 years. Um, really miss him. Scott uh, passed away about a decade ago here. And, um, you know, Scott owned uh, cars for uh, not only himself to drive, but he won the Nationals with Matt Kansas as his driver and uh, Rich Bickle as his driver and, uh, uh, you know, Everything was uh, was all about racing with Scott, and uh, he made sure everybody was taken care of. He had a lot of friends, and uh, so we're going to honor him this year. And the icebreaker uh, got a nice plaque made up for uh, Fast Qualifier Award in honor of Scott, and he's putting up the service specialist. His brother Greg is putting up the, the 250 for fast time and 500 uh, for the halfway uh, winner, um, halfway leader of the race, and uh, you know help contribute to the $5,000 to win first and uh, hope it all goes well and everybody take a minute and think about Scott and how he touched you throughout these years. You know, it's great hearing these stories and something that Mark and I talk about all the time is having conversations with fellow racing community members and getting to know them is some of the best and hearing that story really hit home, hits home for I know him and I um, so it's, it's great getting to know you and, and hear your stories about Scott too, because, uh, that's some of the, the best memories they have is getting to know people and just having conversations that you don't get to have during the week 
at your normal job or anything like that. Yeah. It, it, it was, uh, Scott had an energy level that was, uh, bar none to anybody, work ethic and then, uh, race hard, play hard. And I'll tell you what, you know, we'd come home from the Dells on Saturday night and, uh, Back in the day, you didn't get home from the Dells so the sun came up as you pulled into town and go to bed. And, you know, I mean, it's early. It's like 7 o'clock. Been in bed like two hours. And, you know, the phone's ringing. Hey, let's go out for breakfast. And I'm like, dude, I just got to bed. You know, and he's like, nope, let's go. And, you know, and then by that time, we were down to Slinger on Sunday night. And, uh, you know, and then back to work on Monday. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of sleep on the weekends when uh, when you're hanging out with old Scotty Olin. <laughs> that's awesome uh tell us a little bit about dell's raceway park schedule and what people won't want to miss this year all right so uh, we're starting a little earlier this year uh weather seems to be cooperating quite nicely it's the snow is gone that's always a good start but uh we're we're starting with the icebreaker 100 this sunday uh our regular weekly show start may 8th and uh we're going to run them right through Labor Day, uh, with the season championship on, uh, September 11th. Uh, we've got, uh, CWA coming back to the Dell. CWA was always, you know, CWA, I don't know if you know about CWA, but CWRA, are you familiar with CWA? Tell me. I mean, you know, the history of CWRA, that's where Dick Trickle came from and Tom Reshner and them and the boys. Yes, sir. I'm all over that. I have always been a, a fan of the CWRA series. It's been around a long time, and there's been some really great, great drivers that's coming out of that whole series, and it still goes today. Yes, and they went dormant in the late 90s when they started falling apart, but CWRA is where Trickle Refner, you know, cheer all the boys raced during the day. They'd race five nights a week, and that's what they were doing for a living. And that was just a local series on top of the big races when they traveled to Anderson or Winchester, wherever they were going. And uh, Cedar Bray uh, Club, I, I had a lot of great friends uh, through the years working, you know, with Cedar Bray, um, you know, including like Kirby Kurth. And, and, and one day, I, I think the, uh, the club shut down in the late 90s. And then one day when I was uh, helping Wayne, uh, I went to one of them breakfasts for the Cedar Bray. They did them all the time. Sat with Mark Mazzafka and Father Gruba for breakfast. And I said, why, why aren't you guys racing? And they're like, well, you know, we talked about it and stuff. I said, how many cars are there? And there's like, you know, 20 guys with cars sitting in the garage. They go, why don't we get the club going again? So that summer I got the club off the ground and we started back with the Lyle Naberfeld race, uh, at the, the Dells, which was always a time-honored tradition up there, and got the club back off the ground, and, and they started getting really high car counts of 40-plus cars for event, and things were going well. And so this year, I decided to book them for five times. I got to live for five series with my uh, UMA Super Late models, and now we got CWA Super Late models. Because the Dells is a Super Late model track, you know, through and through. You can't run Super Late models every week nowadays with the with the cost of things so we've uh we split it up cwa super late models are uh, a little different uh car and uh but we still get the advantage of having
having super late model racing 11, 12, 13 times, I think, this summer with Tundra, CWRA, and the Live for Five Series and the Arca Midwest Tour. Because the biggest thing I've gotten emailed, love your show. Everything is great. Would love to see more super late model races. Would love to see more super late model races. So then this year we've done it. We, we, we've got more super late model races. And then the Midwest Championship weekend starts in uh, September 24th. And uh, in 1972, since I bought the track and I've been going through all the old folders, that's when Mr. Wares decided to come up with the Midwest Championship weekend when he had all the big dogs in there for two, three days. And I ran that back in the day uh, when I was racing also. And um, I always just loved the traditions of, of that. And we're going to uh, conclude that on September 26th. We're going to race Friday, September 24th, the 25th, the 26th. The 26th concludes with the Tundra Super League Mile 75, the championship for for that. We start with CWA cars on uh, Friday night and Saturday night, and they conclude with the uh, Tundra Super League Models on Sunday. So we have Super League Mile racing every single day of the Midwest Championships. And then we roll right into Halloween, uh, finishing the season up after Oktoberfest on October 23rd. <clears throat> And uh, that's where I crowned the Alive for Five Series champion. Sounds like a uh, great season upcoming here. We can't wait to attend uh, some or most of those for sure. We always enjoy coming down to the Dells. Uh, Mark and I attended a few. We, we attend a few every year, as I mentioned previously, but uh, we attended the following. Uh, my first time down there, Mark had been down there a few times before for the following and I thought it was going to be a lot colder. That's a, that's a pretty good show there to end the season up here. Oh, yeah. Um, when I was racing, uh, you know, you didn't start till Memorial Day and you were done by Labor Day. And then Oktoberfest rolled around, and then that became something else. And now all of a sudden I'm kind of in awe. We're finishing up right before deer hunting, and you can't get into anything with deer hunting season in Wisconsin. Or that's that's just that's just forbidden um so i think the snow's on the ground by then but anyway we're pretty fortunate to stretch the season out through october now um one thing about the dells maintain the, the higher card counts is you know you know maybe rule book has nine divisions in it and uh we've kind of spread them out and uh i think the reason why we've had a lot of success with higher weekly counts and some of the other tracks that followed now is rotating the divisions because when they slammed that schedule out to you back in the 80s and you said you're you're racing the next 25 saturdays in a row uh, that kind of puts a hurt on family life and uh we try and break it up a little bit um give some holidays off here and there to the divisions and, and get everybody to the track you know 12 dozen times and instead of 25 times and it also extends that checkbook a little farther so that when you come to the race you know you got some money in your pocket you still can race and if uh, it was a gamble it was an idea i had because it was an idea i had because i wish that i could have ran a track like that i was always jealous when rockford shut down for a week or two around the holidays and fourth of july to have a rock concert or something and I was stuck on my track running every single week, no matter what. Couldn't go to the 4th of July parade, couldn't go to this wedding, couldn't go to that. Well, I always could use a break. So 
with that being said, I in 25 years of racing myself, I only think I ran two full seasons for a championship. Um, just couldn't do it. And uh, now people can. And I think that's a big deal. Hey, good stuff, Jerry. You know, I'm, personally, I've never met you, and I'm looking forward to meeting you. I'd like to shake your hand and congratulate you on, on uh, taking over the Dells and keeping that tradition going down there, man. Looking forward to this weekend big time. I hope you hope to see you guys. Uh, just check in with Danielle at the pit gate and point them to the tower. I'll be up in the tower. We got the oh, we're up there. We'll have it all going on in the tower. So step on up. Perfect. That sounds like a plan. Yep, as Mark said. Uh, totally looking forward to, to meeting with you, talking some more and attending some more Dallas Raceway Park races this year. You know, Jerry, uh, we can't thank you enough for your time. We'll let you go in here on a, on a Sunday evening. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you this weekend. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Don't forget this Sunday, it's 100, Dells Raceway Park. Time trial is 1230, first race at 2. There. Awesome. Awesome stuff, man. Very good. Thank you once again for your time, Jerry. Yeah, thank you, guys. Take care. Take care. Thanks. This has been a production of Double L Sports Network. Hope you all enjoyed it, and thank you for listening.